Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. Don't buy products that are not going to be user-friendly for everybody on the board now or into the future. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Jodie Wilmer, and I'll be speaking with her about board portals and what you can get out of them, how to choose one and why they might be a good or bad idea. So welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Jodie. Thank you, Helia. It's great to be here with you. So Jodie, tell us a bit about yourself so those listening know who you are. Thank you. Well, I started getting involved in community activities and, and even groups at a young age. My parents showed me that there's ways to contribute to the community such as volunteering and I guess that's been part of my DNA from many many years ago and so one of the um, my first board experiences was actually chairing a board and uh, I I think uh, over many years I've worked in the not-for-profit sector in tourism and now I work with my partner in East Gippsland and we work with small businesses and not-for-profits and change makers so I think over years, boards and involvement in some sort of governance related thing has sort of been part of my everyday life. And now it's great to be able to share some of the things that I've learned, but also the things that can make life easier for people who are giving of their time to contribute to our greater good of the community. Wow. Okay. So you're doing some fabulous and very important work. Two things I just want to check. Now you're in East Gippsland. We know that January has been a pretty tough time for East Gippsland. So just checking, how are you and how's the community? Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. You know, we are safe and we're, we're, we're on the edge of where the major impacts were of the bushfires. And what has been quite amazing is meeting people and, and part of our friendship networks and family uh, and our communities of how resilient people are, but also how tough it is. Lots of small businesses are impacted and obviously nature, wildlife, homes and, and tragically lives. So I think it's going to take a lot to rebuild, but we really are encouraged by the support from people all around the world. Uh, and even within our own friendship network, people who've just reached out and offered places for us to stay and uh, checking in with us. So I really appreciate you asking that. And um, 
you know, it's a great region. It's a great part of Victoria and I encourage everybody to come and visit and spend their money here and make a difference in these regional communities. <laughs> I've had a couple of Gippslanders on recently. Uh, Nicola Perro, who's on Destination Gippsland and Ruth McGowan recently as well. So, uh, yes, there's been a bit of a call out to come to Gippsland and it is such a beautiful part of the world. So I strongly encourage that as well. Now, you said in your introduction, Jodie, that I think you said your first board you chaired. Tell us about that. The funny thing is, and, and you've probably experienced this yourself, Helga, that there is this thing called being voluntold. <laughs> yes. So volunteering, voluntold. My first board role was actually when I was completely ill-equipped. Uh, I was in a paid role as uh, working for a tourism organisation and working with our members on advocacy, on legislative reform, on membership benefits, professional development. And I was uh, asked by one of my managers or the CEO at the time, could I go and be involved in another group to help them get on their way and to help actually move forward on some of the strategic goals that were of interest to the, the industry. And I really didn't know what I was in for. And uh, I found out pretty soon that there was a whole body of knowledge that I didn't have. And I'd worked in, in organisations where I'd reported to a CEO who reported to a board, but the board were these mysterious people who came and ate sandwiches. Like, what did they actually do? <laughs> so I did a course through Leadership Victoria, who I know is dear to your heart as well. And uh, the course was really about being able to perform on a board and understand what's involved and the obligations. And I realised this was over like a, a couple of months, uh, this program, and I realised that very first day that I was so out of my depth. And I ended up asking one of the, um, the course lecturers or speakers if I could have a cup of coffee and have a bit of a 101 fast track on some of the issues that I really needed support in. So it was a fascinating experience and I learned a lot. And I know that now I can see the legacy of the work that me and many other people did for the industry. But um, I think it was a very big lesson about being clear that when you're on a board, you're not there to represent anyone. You're there to work in the best interests of that organisation. And that was a pretty steep learning curve. Mm, fantastic. It, it is often one of the things that people talk about, that difference between being a representative and being there for that organisation. So pretty incredible that you got that so early on. Quite often people have been on boards for quite some time and don't necessarily have that uh, clarity around that. So well done you. And indeed the other things I heard in there, making sure you do some training and finding somebody to, whether it's mentor or just have a coffee with to get the lowdown on what's going on. So there's some great lessons in there for people as well. So today, Jodie, we want to talk about board portals. Lots of people use them. Lots of people don't use them. Well, firstly, can you just tell us what is a board portal? So not everybody might be using it on their boards. What's a board portal? Okay, so I'll just use my own lay terms. Um, I, I don't have a technical background, but I'm a real fan of tools that make our life easier and help us communicate more effectively and keep on track and be accountable. So a board portal, in essence, is um, an online tool that enables board members to plan ahead for their meetings, to schedule the agendas and the content that goes in them, uh, to have a single source of truth, so instead of people having things in different share drives or Google drives or USBs or big boxes of paper, having it in a, an online format that is safe and secure, but can easily be accessed by the people who have the rights and the entitlements to access it. So a lot of people who we work with through our business, Happy Changemakers, 
are people who are really, really busy. So they're obviously committed to giving back in some shape or form. That's why they're on a board, whether it's paid or unpaid. They're also usually running a business or they've got multiple obligations and then they might have family as well. So board portals are a really fantastic tool to help people stay on track and focused. But also from a succession planning point of view, what I see happen a lot is that there's a lot of corporate knowledge and information that people have and that when those people leave, then there's this big gap and that can be really devastating for the strategic future of an organisation, especially when there's really important information that had they have understood, uh, whether it's about stakeholders or whatever it is, that that could have made a huge difference to the success of the organisation and the work that it does in the community. So uh, board portals are a great way to have a single source of truth and also, in a sense, democratise the information, make sure that people who need it can access it without having to ask or, you know, try and go jump through hoops to find it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Both of the boards that I'm on at the moment have a board portal. And I know when I joined one of those, the Royal Women's Hospital now about four or five years ago, having moved from my previous board, YWCA Victoria, to the Royal Women's, it literally took me months to shred all of my board papers from YWCA. And when you shred, they expand. So it was hard to fit them all in the recycling bin from week to week. So I was determined when I went onto the board of the Royal Women's, I wasn't going to have paper papers. I was going to use the portal. I confess it's taken me a bit of getting used to in using that portal, but you're right. Having it all there at your fingertips in one little iPad that you can just carry around everywhere has just been fabulous. Well, it makes such a difference, really. Like if we think about what, what's the whole purpose of a meeting, and that's to help people come together and make wise choices and, and have discussions, you can only do that if you're prepared. And again, I think when we think about how people live their lives and want to still contribute. Not all of us are based in the same place where, where we're on a board. Some of our clients have boards that are almost virtual. They don't have, you know, they might be a national organisation and they've got people in all parts of the country or indeed, depending on their structure, they might have people internationally. So having an access point where people can all view and, and access information is really, really critical to making really good strategic decisions and being prepared. And I think from a security point of view, shredding paper, you know, is the wise and the appropriate thing to do. But when I think back over time, how many confidential business cases or, you know, um, merger type things were, were posted out in, in big post packs to people's homes or their workplaces. And I, I sort of really shudder to think, gosh, imagine if that gets in the wrong hands. Mm -hmm. So I think in this digital age, we have to think of ways to make it easier and secure to have information and enable people to really perform well and not be delayed by getting big chunks of emails with about 17 attachments. When I look at a lot of the boards who we work with and, and one of the challenges they have is wading through all the information. So we really need to think about how we can prepare our board directors well and part of that is giving not just quality papers but also being able to access them easily. Jodie there's there's so many different board portals around I mean we've heard some fabulous reasons about why they're important they're more secure they're more convenient single source of truth all sorts of reasons why they're incredibly helpful for boards and there's a number of different products I guess out there 
And sometimes on a board you don't have a choice about which, which portal you use. You just turn up and that's what's being used. But for those that are thinking about either introducing a portal or maybe looking at different ones to what they're currently using, what should people be looking at in choosing a board portal? Well, I think the first step is to have a discussion with the board. And, and I think sometimes people are very well-meaning and they go off in one direction and they, they think they know what the board need and then they go and procure it and then they say, da-da, here you go, you've got to use it. So like anything, if we want to bring people on a change journey, we have to involve them in the conversation. So my first suggestion is to have a discussion at the board about how well are things working at the moment? about the current way that our papers and information is distributed. And in addition to that, what could we do differently to improve things? One distinction I'll make is because often when I speak with CEOs about this, they say, oh, but through our website, our board members can log in. And again, when I do governance evaluations or speak uh, doing strategic planning, I hear a lot of people who say, I don't know my login. I don't know how to use it. I can't find anything or, or I've just got so many different logins and, and it's overwhelming. Or all of those logins are in a document somewhere in a not very secure place so anybody can log in. That's right. That's right. So, you know, when we think about governance and we think about risks and we think about cyber security, mm-hmm. um, these are issues that need to be addressed by the board themselves, not just uh, inwardly looking at the organisation and data governance. So the first distinction is what do we already have? And how well is it serving us? Uh, Again, a lot of people who use the website that have like a login section often have lots and lots of folders that are very hard to navigate. The other thing to be looking out for if you're in the market for a board portal is understanding the, the usability. So are people using devices like an iPad or a tablet? What are the demographics of the group? Are there any people on the board who have disabilities or um, some sort of need that may need to be considered? And I mean, if we think about social justice and universal access, and I know that they're they're really core values of yours as well, Helia, is that uh, we should begin with the end in mind. So don't buy products that are not going to be user-friendly for everybody on the board now or into the future. Again, a lot of people are not often thinking about that. So that's really important from an access and inclusion point of view. And again, if we want people to utilise something, we can't create barriers because it just doesn't meet their needs. It was the exact question I was going to ask a moment ago is about which, if any of the board portals, or whether it's common, that they read the papers to you. For me, increasingly, I am consuming things via podcast or audible books or whatever it may be. And it has only occurred to me recently that I would love to have the first read of board papers read to me. And then I would go back and actually read them. So I'm wondering if you know whether that's a reasonably common feature in some of these board portals. You know what? I've never actually come across that. The ones that I've looked at don't have that technology as far as I'm aware but I think people who use either screen readers so people with vision impairments uh, or or have a preference to have you know auditory could probably have a different tool so for example if you think of the workflow you've got a meeting coming up for one of your boards the papers get loaded up as attachments into the different parts of the agenda and then when you're ready to read them and consume them then you could download those and use another tool that would help bring Mm -hmm. it to life but again I think that's a fantastic point 
so many papers and information relies on written word to communicate. And one thing I've started doing most recently is doing short videos like using Zoom for clients if I'm trying to talk about complex things or just make it more personal. So again, I think we will find an evolution in the way that people create board papers in the future. And I wouldn't be surprised if people don't start using video with uh, an opportunity for people to have transcripts as the sort of written record of those um, reports as a way to consume and communicate information. There's some tips in there about choosing what sort of portal to look at. What are some of the ones that you've looked at? Well, before we launch into that, maybe I'll, I'll just give a little bit overview of some of the different features of different oh. portals as sort of a generic, and then we can talk about some of the specifics. So I've talked about board papers as one of the benefits of using a board portal. So if you think about your meetings throughout the year, one of the benefits is you can load up the agendas of all of those meetings, get them sort of pre-populated, if you will, in advance and have them ready to go. And as the papers are ready, you can add them as attachments. And the other thing I love about board portals is that in a board meeting, you might have a discussion that says, okay, in September, we're going to review our risk management plan. Let's make sure that we get that on the agenda. Well, the board support person or the CEO or company secretary or whoever's got the fingers on the keyboard can go into that September meeting and actually put that in as an agenda item. So I love that because it's not just some, you know, wish list of we have to do that sometime. You can then have that as a task and you can allocate that to a person with an accountability of who's doing it, what's the task and when's it going to happen. And importantly to know in advance so that you can set reminders. Now, all the board portals that I've looked at have features that you can create these as tasks and the person gets an email pinged to them to say, you've been allocated a task. And so therefore you can be clear on what you need to do and when you need to do it. And what I love about these portals as well is that instead of having this sort of vague notion of, okay, last meeting we talked about someone was going to follow up with this topic, then we might get to the meeting and a lot of time is spent saying, well, have you done it or have you not? It's it's an unproductive use of time. But with a board portal, the person who has allocated the task has to take responsibility and update the progress of that task. Yes, I've completed it. And most of the portals have pretty user-friendly ways of doing that embedded in emails when you get a reminder as opposed to having to log into the tools. So that's something to just be aware of as well. So you can use it as a task management tool for, for the actions of the meetings. And they, in fact, become part of the minutes of the meeting. So mm. it's a hugely efficient way to take the minutes as well. <laughs> I think I need a board portal just for running my life. That sounds I fabulous. know, I know. That's right. So um, one of the other great features is contacts. Now, again, if we think about board members, often there's a contact list with people's names and details, you know, maybe how they came to be on the board if, if they've been a long-term member or uh, of the organisation or whatever. But again, there's often nuances that people don't really record anywhere. And again, I'm a big fan of only collecting relevant data and using it for the right purposes. But for example, you know, if you have a group of board members who meet and and some people have dietary requirements or, you know, Mm -hmm. different cultural needs or celebrations, you can actually record that in the contacts there so that you can be prepared and you can make sure that people are included uh, in an appropriate way. And you can also keep track of when they joined the board or when they're on certain subcommittees. 
again, you know, I see a lot of people waste a lot of time trying to trawl back in their memory or look on their calendar to say, oh, when was I appointed and how long have I been doing this? So again, single source of truth, you can record all of this in a board portal. And the other last feature that I really love is being able to set and schedule the meetings in advance and have them in people's calendars. So you don't have to then have Outlook or a Google Calendar and then, you know, you don't know who's got access to that to change the meeting dates or any details and you can have it just in one tool. So there's sort of the top benefits. The final benefit of using a board portal is housing documents that are, are sort of corporate documents such as the constitution, bylaws, if you have that as well, and any particular governance policies and operational policies that are relevant for the board to have oversight on. So again, you know, often people get really overwhelmed about where all this information is. And if you're dealing with email, you have to trawl back through all the attachments. So again, board members can just look in there and say, oh, I can just have a look at the latest version of our constitution and know that I can find it easily and I don't have to ask someone. Incredibly useful having all of that at your fingertips and, as you say, knowing it's the most up-to-date copy of each of those documents. And I was thinking as you were talking about the uh, contact section as well and having the dates and what everybody else does, it's also really useful for succession planning and for managing conflicts of interest and all of those sorts of things as well to just know where everybody's at. Absolutely. And you can use these board portals to record and have your register of conflicts of interest as well and update them as you require over time. And then again, you know, it makes it really useful to have it all in one spot. So I think just in summary, there's a distinction between using a share drive like Google Drive or OneDrive, which is really just document storage, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't have those other features. And then there's a difference between using a board portal and having a website that has a board member's access only login. So they're three completely different things that serve different purposes. Wow. Okay. So what else do people need to know? Is Are we moving to options now? What are some of the options for people? I looked at three different products that are in the marketplace and compared them. And I don't have a specific sort of affiliation with any of these. I've worked with the the owner of Tidy HQ, which is one of the products. I've spoken at the Better Boards Conference, which is affiliated with our cat herder. And the other one is Board Effect. and, And they're a big player in the marketplace too. So they're all very different products. And I think, and there are heaps of others out there. So I'm not pushing or or advocating for a particular product. I think the key is working out what's needed for the board. And often I find that board members who are familiar and confident with one particular portal will come to a new board and say, hey, we should use this too. And that's that's okay. But there is a big difference in the price ranges between, say, Board Effect and, and Tidy HQ and our cat herder. So I think boards also need to allocate a budget for these things. And when they're looking to reduce costs, not try and, and sort of slash the budget of subscriptions to things like this, thinking that that's going to save them money. Because again, uh, apart from accessing the information when they need it in a timely manner, 24-7 in a secure way, but also how much extra time and effort does it take for somebody to manually do these things and digitally upload things into different places? How much time does it take to follow up on requests? Mm. And how much time does it take to do the minutes of meetings, which can be done more effectively in the board portals as sort of a one-stop shop? So I think it's a false economy when people say, you know, oh, that costly 
program of you know x number of dollars per month we could save that well actually I think it's now with modern boards it's a tool of the trade I don't think we should be having conversations that are uh, about reducing costs on the things that are really important that turn the curve in the board making really good decisions. Absolutely and you know before when you talked about making sure you get input from the board members about what are their needs and requirements. I think also from the company secretary or board secretary, because uh, I have no doubt they'll have some views about what is the most efficient and effective way of distributing that information and getting the input that they need as well. Yeah, absolutely. With any sort of change, there's always apprehension. So I think it's important to acknowledge that in those discussions and also explain the benefits. I mean, there are some disadvantages as well. So certainly from a cybersecurity point of view, you know, if people don't have secure logins and people are, you know, hacked into it, of course, then, then that's a big risk, but that can be managed. And I think the other thing is that sometimes people can be super confident about using portals and technology and then there's some people who are not super confident and we don't want to leave those people behind so my best suggestion is that once the board and the company secretary board support person ceo have had a discussion about what their needs are it's important to write a list of the non-negotiables or the requirements and then go out there and find the appropriate solutions and also have an onboarding process because there's nothing worse than suddenly one day turning up to a meeting and saying, oh, here you go, here's a login and, you know, go for it. So what I've done with a number of clients is created short videos on um, how to log on, how to find certain things within the board portal, when they have to do certain tasks, showing them how to do that too. I'm a big fan of, of doing that via video. And if you then have the resources to have that as a work instruction of a checklist or something like that, it just grounds people with and empower them with the information to give them confidence to be able to use the tools. Another way to think about it could be also buddying up board members. So people who are maybe a bit more IT savvy or confident and buddying up with other people who aren't. And this is not about demographics of age. Like I've worked with very, very young board members who where people make an assumption that they are all over this, you know, ICT and social media. And I think that's a big myth. We can't make assumptions about people. We have to ask what their needs are and then how, how can we help support them to make them successful in using it. So maybe if I just talk about a couple of the, the key focuses of the different products. So hmm. our cat herder is an Australian product and it has a governance document library. It's got meetings, it's got tasks and it's got committees as primary functions. So they're super important elements of every board uh, from a governance perspective. And you can uh, create a simple agenda that then creates invites to the meeting that can also then manage the tasks. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a very useful tool. I've used that myself just as a, as a trial and it is very user-friendly and very mobile responsive. One of the things that I think could be improved about it is the sort of look and feel of it, but uh, it's certainly a really robust tool and, and it's very easy to use. And I think, again, you know, when we want to set people up for success, we don't want too many barriers. One of the other products um, to compare is Tidy HQ, which is again another Australian product. They've got a governance document library, meetings, tasks, and committees. They also have memberships and events, which are different features again. So Tidy HQ is more designed for organizations like clubs, associations who want a full administrative tool. They also have a finance function. So if you think of it, 
at the moment, most people in their businesses or organisations use a software product for finance like Xero or QuickBooks. Tidy HQ is like a board portal plus, plus, plus. So it's got some other features. So for some boards, that's irrelevant. They don't want events. They don't want ticketing. They don't want memberships and they don't want um, the finance functions. So I guess it depends on, on what your needs are. And then lastly, board effect. Now that's probably, I guess, the top tier product. It has a governance document library, which is very extensive. It's got meetings, which you would hope for being a board portal. It's got <laughs> yep. tasks, it's got committees, and you can have multiple boards, which is really, again, another level of sophistication for organisations that might have subsidiaries, they might be have a different corporate structure, you might have a trust, and then you might have another part of the organisation, which is, is a board for a company limited by guarantee. So that's got another level of sophistication. I guess the downside to it is the cost, but also the meetings and the tasks are add-ons. You have to pay extra for those. So I think um, it would be great to see those as features that are built in as opposed to having to, to purchase those as separate. But, you know, it's a really robust tool uh, and it is very, very popular, particularly amongst the corporate and larger organisations. Fantastic. Jody. this has been such a fabulous conversation and I think incredibly useful for the Take On Board community. You know, we've talked about why you might use board portals, how that might happen, some of the features, some of the products, incredibly useful. What are the main things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Well, the first thing is to know, to have some awareness that board portals can actually help you make great decisions. And rather than seeing it perhaps as a cost or another thing you've got to learn, embrace it as a way to be across information in a secure way and making decisions and reducing the administration out of, out of your meetings and do things more efficiently. And I think the, the other takeaway is these board portals can't just live on their own and expect people to be able to use them with confidence. So think about the onboarding and the training process and also any checklists or other resources that can help create some systems about the way you do things as repeatable tasks and with a spirit of continuous improvement. So thinking about each time uh, and then reviewing how things are done and how things can be improved and have that as a body of knowledge and a culture of the way that the board works, I think are, are really important attributes. And is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Absolutely. Well, I've done some comparisons of the board portals, which I'm happy to share, but also I have created a workflow of uh, whether you're using a board portal or just a preparation for a meeting. And this really works back from the board meeting itself, uh, back to the preparation for the agenda, the papers, and then the actual meeting itself, and then what happens after the meeting and who needs to do what in the sequence and the timing. So I, I've mapped this out for a couple of clients and they found it super useful. So I'd be happy to share that with the Take On Board community as well. Oh, I think that would be incredibly useful. Fantastic. So I'll make sure we put links to both of those things in the show notes for people to access. Jody, it has been fabulous to tap into your wisdom about all things board portals today and, you know, all things, just some of the ideas and tips you've got about efficiency and effectiveness for boards has been just fabulous. Thank you so much for being part of Take On Board today. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together 
So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.